The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay, it's good to sit with you. Um, I hope you did a good job imaginarily guiding that meditation in my stead. Um, so, uh, faith, energetic vigor, mindfulness, mindfulness. Oh my goodness, that word, that word. Nietzsche said, um, Words are like uh, pockets into which many things have been placed, and uh, mindfulness is most definitely a pocket into which many things have been placed. And um, sometimes it is it's used as a kind of placeholder for all of the Dharma, sort of like all these different concepts smuggled under the umbrella of that word. And other times, you know, um, attempts to to kind of monetize mindfulness and make it uh, change its meanings too. It's been made more compatible with greed, hatred, and delusion in in some depictions of it. I would say sometimes uh, I've thought that um, understanding mindfulness is not the starting point of practice, but the fruit of practice. That we don't, you know, of course, we have to begin with a definition of mindfulness. But um, to know what that is, is, is not actually where we start, but where we wind up. So from Classically from the Satipatthana Sutta, what's right mindfulness? Here a monastic um, dwells contemplating the body in the body, ardent, clearly comprehending, mindful, having removed covetousness and displeasure with regard to the world. There's a lot to say about that, but uh, one of the things I want to note is that there are multiple dimensions of the construct you know it's not it's not just it's not just narrowly one one feature it's right it's it's um contemplating body or you know feeling and feeling ardent clearly comprehending remove having removed covetousness and displeasure is a lot yeah a lot of facets of mindfulness and so what I thought, okay, I have 15 minutes to talk about uh, mindfulness. Uh, a lot that one might say, but I thought to highlight this dimension that to my mind, uh, mindfulness describes a state nearly diametrically opposed to the hallmarks of distress yeah that that what mindfulness depicts is like really almost the opposite from 
the kind of characteristics that are shared by many different states of distress, may we say suffering. And so obviously suffering, distress comes in a million flavors, but there are shared characteristics across a range of states of distress. And when I was reflecting on this, it um, was able, you know, just was, can name a few features. So in states of distress, generally, not always, generally, thoughts become absorbing and imposing. Thoughts feel really real. They feel, um, they feel like the realest thing in the world. And we know rumination, the kind of like chewing that embeddedness in thought bubbles is, is known as a, like a trans diagnostic risk factor. So for a range of different states of distress, psychiatric compromise, rumination is a risk factor. In states of distress, the the kind of space of experience narrows, a kind of claustrophobia. In states of distress, uh, our, our attention becomes fragmented It's pinging from memory to present moment, emotion, physical sensation, to prognostications about the future. It's um, it's very unstable, you know, in the kind of field of experience. In distress, there tend to be alterations in physiological arousal. We tend to be really flat or hyper aroused, or we're <clears throat> a blend of kind of frozen and then super impulsive. In states of distress, there there tends to be a lot of experiential avoidance, meaning a kind of unwillingness to make full contact with one's inner life kind of bracing and guarding, patrolling the inner landscape to see what's safe and what isn't. There's, there are often compromises in distress tolerance, so the unpleasant features of any human life become especially distressing, especially sticky. Uh, the pain the pain is pain these difficulties tend to be deeply personalized so when we're really distressed you know it's like that distress becomes a commentary on one's life one's worthiness one's being in states of distress there there tends to be rigidity in the um predictive models, the ways that we are using this moment to um, 
to make, make predictions about the trajectory, the vector of our life. And there's a kind of failure to learn and revise the models. We, we Our models of, of self and world become impervious to new information. In states of distress, we're not learning what's important to learn. We're suffering, but we're not learning about suffering. So that's a very vague kind of sketch of like some of the shared features of of distress, a wide range of distress states. Okay, what are the hallmarks of mindfulness? A reduction in experiential fusion, like a reduction is metacognitive awareness. We are no longer living within the bubble defined by that thought. This is another way of saying there's a kind of de-reification. Thoughts, feelings feel less real. In other words, they feel less, um, they are no longer these pure descriptions of the state of the world, true descriptions of the state of the world, the state of the self. They become uh, less real. Yeah. Or maybe they, they become more infused with space. Phenomena become less intimidating. That that phrase from the Satipatthana, putting down covetousness and displeasure, this is really, I would say, related to equanimity, um, a, a kind of um, a conjoined factor with, with mindfulness, sati, uh, this kind of um, non-interference with the arising and passing of phenomena. Um, in mindfulness is, um, is, is a state of distress tolerance. It's a state where we're not so intimidated of those pockets of our inner life that are charged with, uh, affect. We can approach what was once avoided. These are hallmarks of mindfulness. The mindfulness, there is attentional stability. Attentional stability in mindfulness. That's different. That's not exactly the same as samadhi, which we'll talk about tomorrow. But there's there's at least a modicum of attentional stability. We're not pinging around everywhere. And um there are many regulatory benefits of um, this stabilized, malleable, unified attention. Is a hallmark of mindfulness, the opposite of distress. In mindfulness, we are um, draining the moralism from our inner life what we took to be a sign about who we are 
about our worthiness or something no longer points to anything or anyone. It's phenomena blowing through. And so there's less and less room for the moralism about what we think or feel about uh, what arises in the field of experience. There is, uh, in mindfulness, a kind of hypo, hypo hypo-egoic state. The energy and tension of self is relaxed. And in this kind of, this receptivity, the self is not really home base. It's just, there's just, okay, wide open. And in that openness, we're not really making a home anywhere. But we're awake. And so, uh, so many ways to suffer features, these shared features of distress. And the facets of mindfulness uh, are, uh, the facets of mindfulness represent a kind of diametric opposite of those, those hallmarks of distress. So offer this uh, for your your consideration and um, yeah may we uh, may we we uh, learn about the causes of suffering the causes of ease today okay folks. Um, it's good to, uh, good to be with you and, uh, see you, see you tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Thank you.